50% of the time, it works every time. Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. As far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. I drink your milkshake. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Cinefleck. I am your host, Ethan Colburn. Uh, welcome back. Welcome if this is your first time. Happy Pride Month. Happy June. Happy summer. So so glad summer's starting. Um, thank you for for listening to this uh, special. I think it's my first Martin Scorsese movie, which which is going to be a great time. But uh, this um, special episode about Goodfellas. It's uh, it's a classic movie somewhat intimidating honestly to talk about but i think i think me and declan did a really good job here i'm really proud of this one um but uh yeah i i really i really hope you enjoy this episode thank you as always to my patrons steven sydney isaac zach griffin and donya if you want to uh donate or or become part of our patreon uh you can check that out at patreon.com slash if you want to help, uh, you can also leave a review on iTunes. That's always super helpful. Um, helps with like the algorithms and stuff. For this episode, we drank um, the Bee's Knees, which is a Prohibition cocktail. Really good. It's kind of like a lemon drop, but with honey. Um, I really, really enjoyed it. And uh, you can find recipes for that on my Instagram and Twitter. Um, next week we were doing Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which, um, I just recorded actually and, and, uh, also had a great time on. So I hope you guys are excited for that one. Always a good time. Uh, Clara is once again off for a little longer, just dealing with school and everything. So, uh, I will let you know when they're, uh, rejoining the podcast, but, uh, for now you're going to have to deal with my dumb voice for a little, a little extra time. Um, anyway, without further ado, let's, let's pop you into this week's interview. I hope you enjoy. How are you, Declan? I'm good, man. I'm good. It's, uh, the sun came out in Seattle today. Oh, it's beautiful. beautiful. Uh, I just went for a walk to pick up the gin for this. Uh, so yeah, I'm excited. <laughs> has, it, has it been, has it been cloudy since I left town? Uh, yesterday it was like a tornado. <laughs> there was like this crazy random like wind rainstorm that like came out of nowhere. Um, but you know, Seattle weather likes to fluctuate all over the place. So yeah, so, yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, well, thank you for coming on for this one. It's so fun. Uh, we're doing we're doing Goodfellas. Um, did I, so we we were I I came to visit Seattle. Mm-hmm. and we were out drinking and you were like we need to do a podcast i was like yeah <laughs> which one of us proposed goodfellas how did this come about i think it was probably me because i think what happened was i like, kind of wanted to like i knew you had a podcast and i always wanted to like be on a podcast but i was a little bit nervous to ask and then i got kind of drunk and i was like fuck it i'm gonna, I'm gonna go for it <laughs> go for it <laughs> like, yeah let's let's i want to go on the, i want to go to your podcast and goodfellas is like when I was like, I think I saw it when I was like 13 for the first time. And when I first saw it, it was like a whole new, it like opened up a whole new door of movies for me in terms of like, just like cinema and complexity and like going from like being a kid to like, oh, this is a, like, this is a real movie. You know what I mean? So uh, totally. yeah, that was, so I'm excited to talk about it. Yeah, no, me too. So, so how you were saying the first time you saw this was when you were like 13 or so, like, do you remember what it was like seeing this for the first time? Oh yeah. It was one of the, <laughs> I mean, it's definitely one of the most memorable 
movies I've ever seen. I like when I was like 13, I was kind of right around the age where like my parents decided like, okay, he can like see like grown up movies now. Yeah, totally. Uh, and, and this was kind of just like a rip the bandaid off kind of moment for like entering a world of like cry movies and all of like Scorsese's movies as well, just like all at once. Um, and it was just, I remember seeing it and just thinking like, this is so awesome. Like it's, yeah. his characters are so interesting. Like it's crazy. This is based on a true story. Like these are real people. That aspect of it made it like way more visceral. Like uh, they say fuck yeah, like 300 times. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The Duke curse a lot. There's a lot of drugs, uh, a lot of sex, a lot of killing, all those things that I was like, wow, this is, this is exciting. Um, but yeah, it's, it was, it was awesome. Uh, I remember that was just uh, great. I've seen the movie like probably four times. Uh, that first time was like incredible. Oh yeah, totally. We, uh, we paired it with uh, the bee's knees, which is a, uh, which is a cocktail. We were between two, um, the Brooklyn and the bee's knees. The Brooklyn's probably a little, the Brooklyn's probably, let's put it this way. The Brooklyn's probably something like Henry Hill would drink and the bee's knees mm. is probably something that Karen would drink. But, um, <laughs> yeah it's quite good it's i don't really, know karen's pretty karen's pretty intense she might, karen is pretty intense. She might at that point in the movie where she's going kind of nuts she'd probably be drinking straight straight uh whiskey at that point so yeah yeah maybe she's not this classy <laughs> but yeah this is this is good though i'm enjoying it no it's pretty good it's it's kind of a it's a prohibition era kind of cocktail with uh honey honey syrup did you have any trouble with the honey syrup no, no, it was really easy. Yeah, I just took, I took your instructions directly, and I was like, oh yeah, that worked really, really easy. And I was, yeah. I was, I was a little concerned because I looked at the ingredients and I saw that it's just the three ingredients: um, the gin, honey syrup, and lemon. And I was worried because I just went to the liquor store and bought the cheapest gin off the shelf, and I was like, oh, <laughs> this might be this might be tough. And I don't have a cocktail shaker, but I used like my water bottle, and it actually like all turned out really well. I'm like, what really gin did you it. get? Oh man, what is it? Uh, it's um, <laughs> I got Richmond gin. Richmond, okay. I'm not yeah, it was that. like it was like ten bucks for the bottle. Wow, well that's that's a that's a good deal. It was a steal. It was a steal. <laughs> um, it feels like if you were to show someone one Scorsese movie, you'd show them this movie. Mm-hmm. Like if you just like who is Scorsese, like you'd probably show them Goodfellas. Or is there another right. one that kind of more embodies his style? I mean, it's tough to say. There's a, he's got so many great, great yeah, films. for sure. Um, I feel like this one though. I think you make a good point in that it kind of showcases a lot of different aspects of what makes him so great. Like there's obviously like the storytelling and the narrative of Henry Hill and Karen, and them like narrating the whole thing and seeing it from their point of view. Um, but at the same time, it almost like tells the story of the lifestyle of being a gangster more so than it tells like Henry Hill's story in a way. Um, and like you f- kind of fall in love with all these characters. So like it does this really incredible job of like telling the story from a, from a narrative point of view and then also in, like incorporating all these different characters. And then these like, intri- the, like, and then the cinematography, like obviously the shot of going into the Coca Cabana. Like yeah. I, I, remember, <laughs> I remember the first time I watched that, my dad was like, he was doing like stood up and he's like watch this like this is the coolest <laughs> thing ever like and so yeah oh, it, it's just yeah it's uh i think i mean personally it's my it, i think it's probably my favorite um scorsese movie but i mean he's got a lot of good ones so it's it's there's a lot to choose from no yeah there's definitely a lot to choose from no it's 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 interesting because it feels like he can't 
stop himself from coming back to the gangster genre. Every time he sort of like every few, every few movies, he takes a step away from it, you know. And then he's and then he goes Goodfellas, takes a step away from I it. I thought I does. was out, but then you pulled me back. Man. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So so you know, and then most recently, The Irishman. Obviously, Did, are you able to do The Irishman? Yeah, I, I I watched it. It took me a few tries. Uh, yeah, it took me no, I, I don't a few blame turns. You. Um, although I watched it when I was, um, studying abroad in, I was in Prague at the time. So like I was, I was really, I was doing all sorts of stuff. So like, and I was like doing some pretty exciting things. So I was like, I mean, it was tough to find like, or I need four hours of my day to sit and like watch this. Um, and like none of my friends at the the time wanted to watch it with me. So I ended up just like, it took me like, I watched it in three chunks and, uh, it was, I, I, I liked it, but I don't think it's on even close to being on the level of a good villain, in my opinion. Yeah. No, I mean, I mean, I, I also side point, like watched like the fewest movies of my life while I was studying abroad. I just like, I don't have time for this shit. Yeah. But, no. um, but uh, yeah, I, I liked it. I de- it definitely strikes a different tone, but it's, um, I mean, I think I, I, I think the interesting about this, I, I think the interesting thing about Goodfellas is is you is you um, kind of alluded to how it shows like the lifestyle of being a gangster and stuff, and I and I think it Scorsese always balances like the kind of um, like let's glamorize the lifestyle and then let's like demonize mm-hmm. my character's life choices. Like he, al- right. he always imposes the sort of moral ending to these stories. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think like this lies somewhere in between Wolf of Wall Street and the Irishman on that, right? Where Wolf of Wall mm. Street is uh, like almost is like too much glamor and excess and the Irishman is too much like, this is really kind of a slog to get through. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it feels yeah. like it's fun, but it also like, you know, right doesn't look like it it seems scary it seems like a scary world at times yeah that's a good that's a very uh it is kind of along the spectrum of like i feel like that's like if you have like a martin scorsese like film spectrum of like ultimate like uh like slow and then ultimate exciting and it would be the wolf of wall street and it would be the irishman yeah and i do think that goodfellas falls pretty close in the middle i think it's interesting though one thing i noticed about watching it this time is that like the movie like starts out at it's like tippy top of like glamorizing the lifestyle and it makes sense though because it's telling it from the perspective of a young henry hill at the very beginning where he's like he doesn't see any of the downsides of the life and he's just loving it and so like narratively it starts at a high and slowly gets worse and worse um so i think it, it, it does a good job of like following his life in terms of like the things that are happening in the movie and the things that are happening him personally um, yeah yeah it's just it, it is fascinating how does that another thing i noticed about this movie that i had noticed that kind of matches that same thing is the uh the music it kind of had it's it starts with this like very uh like all these like like old ballads like jazz like classical music in the, in the beginning that's like very romantic and then like by three quarters in the movie it's like cream and uh, uh the rolling stones and like it takes a whole like classic rock like punk uh shift and like so like the things that are happening in the movie just like match, match the music so well it's uh it was really interesting uh, something i hadn't noticed before 
Yeah, no, I totally agree. And it also, it also plates places you at a moment in time, right? Because, mm-hmm. because it's sort of the, the music sort of follows like the, the, the timeline of, of, um, of like where the characters are in their lives. I, I almost wish they made a little more effort to sort of show the care, show the actors aging because like they looked exactly right. the same in the fifties as they did in the eighties. That was a very good point. The side point, except for Robert De Niro's graying hair. But, um, <laughs> but <laughs> other than that, I mean, the music definitely like, like, like put you, put you in a certain time. Um, it's, you know, you don't, you don't have much sympathy for Robert, Robert De Niro's Tommy, right? Is it Tommy? Mm-hmm. No, Robert De Niro's uh, Jimmy. And Jimmy. Joe Tommy. Pesci is Tommy. Joe Pesci is Tommy. Okay. You don't have much sympathy for Tommy at the end just because he's like literally just shooting people all the time. So I don't, yeah. I don't care too much about Tommy. J- Jimmy, I, I similarly don't care, care too much about because he tried to kill Karen. <laughs> But then, yeah. but yeah. then, but then I really do feel bad for Tommy and for, for Polly in the end. Mm-hmm. I felt like kind of had a good heart through it all. And I thought, right. I thought Paul Sorvino played that perfectly where he, I mean, he's a mob guy. Like he does knock people off, but he does kind of care about his family and watches out for his own. Right. Right. Well, that, it's interesting too, because I feel like, and this is where you can kind of compare it in a way um, to the Godfather and yeah. where they have that conversation about like in the beginning where Henry's basically explaining what the mafia does. And he's basically just says like he, you, we pr- provide protection for people who can't trust the cops. Um, and there's something very like noble in that. And there's something very like simple and, it, and you can understand where it came from in terms of, I mean, Italian immigrants coming like, all to a new place where they don't know, like don't, they can't trust people. Like they're being discriminated against. Like they can't trust police because so they have to protect themselves. And that's like kind of the birthplace of that. And that makes so much sense. And, and you know, it's noble, it's romantic. Um, and so th- at that point, you're still like very much like in, in, engaged with these people. And then Henry makes that choice to go down the route where he was selling the drugs. And Polly has the talk with him where like, you don't like, he's from a previous area era of the mafia where he still sees it as that you know same that same thing where i'm here to protect people and i don't want to get mixed up in drugs and so like from that point of view like i agree with you that paulie is very much um probably the like the most moral person in in the movie yeah um and it is interesting to see that kind of clash between like the new age of what like the drugs getting brought in because of the, the amount of money they can make with the old era of the mafia that was built on protection um yeah, so I, I would I, I agree with you that I think Polly is probably the most likable and kind of heartwarming character, at least uh, you know from the mafia side of the movie. Yeah, yeah, totally. I, I, I read some I read something online about him about how like Paul Sorvino almost dropped out of the movie like a couple days before filming just because he was worried he wasn't scary enough, and then he started like looking at himself in front of the mirror and just not smiling. It's like I think I could I think if I made his face. <laughs> <laughs> no, I believe like, it. <laughs> like I feel like I'm too nice, but honestly, it's that it's it's the it's the it's the dichotomy between the two that that like makes it an interesting character, right? It almost like mm-hmm. I think I mean people talk about the big three of this movie so often because they're all so great. I mean De Niro and Ray Liotta and um, and Joe Pesci, but but Paul Sorvino for me is just like right up there in terms of like right. a crazy good performance. Yeah, I, I fully agree. I mean, obviously 
it's surrounded by the three, it's like the movie mainly follows those three characters. Yeah. But I mean, you could easily make the argument that it's the, you know, it's the whole ensemble cast that makes the movie so special because I mean, there's so many movies where there's good performances by a couple actors, but the rest, it doesn't really add up and it doesn't lead to a great movie. Like, I don't know. I love the scene in in the beginning where, uh, <laughs> where, he's, where Henry's walking through and he's, and it's like, basically it's from Henry's point of view, but it's more just like introducing to all the different characters in the family and, and learning about them all. And, and in Jimmy like, two times that I was just going to say that one. What do you, I, I, <laughs> It was like Jimmy two times, two times. Says everything two times. I love, I love that. <laughs> I was waiting I for Jimmy two times. Whenever, yeah. whenever that scene comes up, I'm just like, "Where's Jimmy two times?" Yeah, it's awesome. And there, <laughs> and then it's so funny hearing the nicknames too, because like they do such a good job of like with the costumes and like the actors and everything with like one look at this person and like it, you know exactly why they have the name they have and like just the aspect of it. Like I feel like it's so important, like in a, in a mafia movie, to like like create the family atmosphere that like kind of helps you understand why everyone is so connected. Um, and so, yeah, I, and I obviously, Paul, I think Polly is a huge part of that. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Totally. I mean, you bring up a good point. Like Scorsese does a really good job um, filling out, filling out this world and stuff. I, I think I, you, you were also talking about earlier how sort of Henry Hill is like, you can see how he gets swept swept up into this world and stuff. And I, and it, and it kind of, it, it kind of made me think about how, like, I mean, Henry Hill is really like a, it's almost doesn't have too much um, free will in this movie. He's almost like he's swept up into this world from the beginning. And it's like, he's sort of doing what he's told until he's not. And so, I mean, he, 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 he's almost totally like a product of the system he was born into. I mean, he, he did choose when he was young to sort of enter, enter the crime world, but he, he's very much like, like once he decided to enter this world, he's kind of like, he just gets swept up with these guys. And it's kind of like, you're kind of witnessing this crime. You're kind of witnessing the crime world through his eyes most of the time. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I that's that's a good point. I feel like it happens very early on where there's kind of a no going back moment. Yeah. Um, I think that the, the when he gets when his parents get the report card in the mail uh, where he hasn't been to school in months and his dad beats him up and then he goes to uh, Tootie, I think his name was the, the guy under. Yeah, I love that guy. Yeah, and they like, and I feel like that's a moment where if he, you know, that like they literally beat up the mailman so that they wouldn't deliver the thing to his parents and this kid is like 14 years old and like at that point like the reason they do that is i'm sure part of it is because they like henry but most of the the big main reason is henry is doing a job that's pretty important to the running of their you know their business yeah and so from that perspective they they they're relying on him and so he can't just say like oh i don't want to do this anymore because they need him and so they're and they're like at, at 14, they're already willing to go to the lengths they're going to, to basically make sure he can keep working for them. Once that happens, it's kind of like all downhill in terms of him being fully committed to them and having no really out. out. And I mean, at the time he isn't really, I don't really think he, that's what he wants, obviously. Um, but th- that is a good point is his will is kind of like, he kind of doesn't, I guess he doesn't really question it, or at least he doesn't, doesn't seem like he questions it. But another thing to consider is there's, I mean, he's obviously narrating the story, but whenever anyone tells a story, there's aspects of what they're thinking at the time that they don't tell. 
Um, yeah. So who knows what Henry Hill was thinking in re- like in real life and during these moments. Yeah, no, he, def- he definitely seems like a slightly unreliable narrator. Um, but but it, 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 it was such a, I, I thought, speaking of narration, it was just such a great choice to have Karen cut in all of a sudden the moment, the moment he meets her and all of a sudden you have a different, you have a different narrating voice. And so you sort of know her importance, but I mean, going back to like the no free will thing, like she's the one that makes that relationship happen. Like she, she comes back to him and she's like, and she's like, you stood me up. Like, how dare you? And I love that. I love that. Like after that moment, um, like, like he, he sort of respects her so much more. Yeah, <laughs> it's so, that whole right. thing was so well done. But but yeah, I mean, it's it's only it's only after like she comes back around to him that that, mm-hmm. that he sort of he sort of respects her and right. kind of goes after her. But he doesn't he doesn't ever chase much. Right. Yeah. Well, that's the thing that's interesting is I feel like you see a lot of times you see uh, these women in, in in the mafia families and it's like always oh, the men with the for the men and the women with the women and then like what, like what's going on. And you see, you know, you see Tommy kind of going out with people and you don't see Henry with any women the whole time uh, up until Karen. And like when they first go on those dates, like he is a certified asshole to her. He just like, does not care. He's being rude. He's being dismissive. Um, and she's just pissed off. And it's so interesting. It's like you said, like it took her like having the balls to go up in front of all of his friends and tell him he's an asshole to like, it almost looks like he like finally saw her, like actually took yeah. a look at her and it, you, totally. you hear the narration, he's like, she looked good. Like there, and it's, and yeah, so it is, it is interesting. It's like, what are the, the aspects um, that be, uh, do these men find certain things more attractive due to the lifestyle they live? Like, I don't know. And yeah, it, it is interesting. And hearing her point of view on things is, is awesome too, because it's like when she gets the gun after he beats up the guy who, um, I'm not sure. I'm not honestly. I'm not totally sure what that guy does to her. It seems like he like there's some like some sort of like sexual assault, and then he oh yeah Henry beats beats him, beats him up, and like she talks about like if this had happened to any of her friends, they would have just been like gotten rid of the guy. So there's an aspect of like her background, which is like very um, quiet. Like she has a nice Jewish family, and then like so the excitement of Henry and like the danger was she found is so attractive. Um, yeah, and then they live, and then they live with, with the parents. <laughs> parents. <out> <laughs> while he's like, while he's like going out and like killing people at night, it's so funny. It's so, so awesome. Like, so funny. It's so awesome. Yeah. No, I mean, honestly, like, like, I mean, I think, I think Scorsese, I mean, rightfully has a reputation for making dude movies, right? I mean, it's not, it's not like he's making movies for women, but. I def I I think Karen is such a great character in this, and more more than she has to be, she's a she's a very sort of interesting person who has a will of her own, and and um, mm-hmm. def definitely makes a lot of the important decisions, and sort of hold things down. I I I I like also love her outburst in the prison. <laughs> <laughs> or like oh, the yeah. prison, the, uh, like prison guards. Baguettes, and gabagool. <laughs> If I, I were know, ever, if I were ever in prison, like Paige would be snuggling in like cheese and baguettes every day. Like, that, would be, that would be what I'd request. I know. I'm used to watching like it. HBO shows where like they're smuggling in like drugs, like yeah, totally. and like all sorts of like stuff. And it's he's like, Karen, like <laughs> pulling out put that bread away. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, it's so, so great. 
Yeah, I, it is Karen. Karen's a super interesting character though because I feel like she could have her own movie separate mm-hmm. from this. Totally. Because uh, the majority of the time when she's on screen and she's narrating, it's I honestly I, I say the majority. It might be hundred percent. Like when she's talking, she's talking about Henry or about the mafia or not really about herself. Um, and there's a whole story going on there with like what's going on with her. And I mean, they have kids and like, in a way, like she, like all the things she's balancing, like she's still in love with Henry. She's like, he's getting involved with all sorts of different things. She has two kids, like all the situation with the mafia, the money, they're running out of money. Then they have tons of money and like all those different things. Like her, like her life, I feel like would be a good enough movie on in it, like in and of itself. Um, so yeah, like you said, it's definitely a dude movie. They definitely don't explore a lot of the more like, uh, nuances of like the women in the movie but I mean I, I mean it's still just an awesome awesome no movie. yeah totally totally but yeah I, I mean I mean she she definitely she definitely brings brings more to it than she has to I mean going back to the wolf of wall street it's it's a uh, it's it's almost very similar to Margaret Robbie in that it's almost mm. a similar similar sort of like nagging but kind of fascinating woman that's sort of like right. very very strong wife to this like guy that's going completely off the rails. Right, right. Yeah, no, that that's an interesting uh, parallel. It's yeah, it, it is kind of similar. Um, I mean, yeah. both of them like have this very just like very like dogmatic personality where it's yeah, like totally. they kind of see what they want and they go for it, and they in a way like I I would say uh, I would say that Margot Robbie's character has like. Jordan Belfort a little bit more on a string than Karen does. Good, yeah, um, yeah. That's but that's in the same way, but like in a different way, Karen's a little bit more like you don't know what's going to happen. Like between the outburst and the in the prison, and then pulling the gun on him, like she's just all over the place, and you don't know what to expect. Totally, totally. So, so I was thinking. I haven't done this in a minute, but I was thinking it'd be fun to do a draft for this one. So do you, I, I think I think scenes would be more interesting than characters here, but we can definitely get into the rest of the characters. We, we've kind of already broken down two of them a bit, but um, basically, basically like we can go back and forth and pick our favorite scenes, but we can't overlap. You probably, okay. uh, some, some people have to explain how a draft works. You probably- Oh, like a, like, a, like a regular, just like, we pick a pick a scene and we yeah. talk about it and just going yeah, back but then we'll kind of discuss it. But but yeah, we just yeah. Can't, we just can't repeat them. But okay, um, yeah, that's, that's great. what what what's your what's your favorite scene in this? Oh my gosh, there are so many great ones. <laughs> um, I think I have to go with um, the scene in the bar early on when uh, to- when uh, everyone's la- Tommy's telling a story and everyone's Brian laughing. Lucy? Yeah, the, the, you think I'm a clown? <laughs> that, you think I'm a clown? That was the that that scene to me. I remember the first time I saw that. I thought that like I was sitting on my couch. And I thought someone had a gun to my head. Like, I was so <laughs> gripped by how it like I that was so intense. I mean, obviously, I think I forget the story that he's telling. Um, it's some dumb story. They're yeah, all yeah. laughing their asses off. They're all drunk and. God, it's just something, I feel like it's also so important for the rest of the movie because that establishes Tommy's character. Like, as soon as you see him, like, the guy gives him a compliment about a funny story and he is so, like, sensitive and insecure in a way, but also so violent that, like, he can take anything the wrong way and turn it into something completely completely different. Um, 
and like obviously Joe Pesci, his performance in the whole movie, but this this scene specifically just like grips you. And like, I mean, it's it was it's absolutely terrifying. I hope I never <laughs> run into somebody like <laughs> right? that. Because I mean, God, I mean, looking at uh, Henry Hill's face in the scene, like he is just like so taken aback. And this is someone he's been friends with since they were kids. Right. And totally. he, even he's like, he knows it well enough to know like, hold, like he could pull a gun on me. Like what's going to happen? Um, I just feel like that. And it's early, it's earlier in the movie than I remember. And I feel like it just sets the tone for the rest of the film. And it's one of the, one of the most like memorable scenes of any movie, frankly, from my, from all the movies I've seen. Definitely, definitely the most like quotable here for oh, sure. Absolutely. I mean, just, just the, just that whole, that whole monologue that he goes on and everything. I mean, it's um, no, no, I, th- I, I think you bring up a good point that it kind of sets the tone for this movie. Like it's almost, it's almost like, every, it's almost like even in the more relaxing, you're a little on edge just because someone can take something the wrong way and they can, they, they can, they can definitely turn on you. I, I, I read a couple things about that scene. One, one is that um, that actually happened to Joe Pesci when he was younger. Yeah. Yep. Which uh, where he like he I guess he was like was he like a waiter or something with for like a mafia guy or so, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting. I heard so I watched the movie last night and I think it just I, I was lucky because I looked it up. I was gonna watch it a couple nights ago when I yeah. looked it up on like Google like where to watch it. It said I had to like get it on Amazon Prime. And then I think, so I think HBO Max like just got it like yesterday or yeah, two days ago. Yeah, it's on HBO Max so, now. Yeah, so I watched it on HBO Max and there was a little intro by Martin Scorsese. Yeah. And which was cool to, to see. And he, I think he said that when he was trying to get Joe Pesci to do the character, he said he would only do it if he got to have something special for him in the movie. And that <laughs> was the thing that like he said, I, this happened to me when I was young and I want to do this in the movie. And they kind of just like worked it in. Like it wasn't originally in the script that kind of totally. like, fit it in. Yeah. And uh, God, I'm glad they did because it's awesome. No, totally, totally. Yeah, and yeah. I mean, I mean, it's it it def it definitely feel feels like Pesci. I mean, he 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 he's sort of an elusive person because he doesn't do interviews that often. <laughs> like he really hates the press. He hates being famous at all, and so which is why he like he like. He like only agreed to do the Irishman after they asked like ten times. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, it's hard to tell how much of this is actually him. But th- this is the most like this is what I'd like to think Pesci's like. <laughs> like this, <laughs> this is this is what I want to think like he's just like like day to day. I mean, just mm-hmm. just totally fucking with people. Like like can shoot off at any moment. Um, right. A little scary. I mean, un- unlike unlike let's say like De Niro and Pacino and these other guys that play gangsters who seem like normal mm-hmm. well-balanced people for the most mm-hmm. part like yeah she just seems like he's actually the most like these characters yeah I mean he also is like he's such a compelling actor because I feel like one of the things that is a really good like a really like a good indicator for like when someone really is an outstanding actor is when they have when they play a variety of different roles and like when you watch them on in a movie you forget that like you're watching joe pesci because like i remember i saw him in, obviously in like home alone yeah. and like things like that and like that was the first impression i had of him and it, like it took me like after the movie and like obviously he looks pretty much the same it yeah. took me until after the movie to realize oh my god it's the same guy from home alone and i feel like that is a really good indicator that someone has like the ability to make you completely forget that you're watching an actor and then you just like fully buy in to the fact that you're watching you know tommy you're not watching uh 
Joe Pesci. Definitely. Definitely. I totally agree. My, uh, my favorite scene. I mean, it's a great one to start off with. I, I, I think I'd still say this is my favorite scene is the um, helicopter chase sequence oh man that's, that, that's a good one is that too kind long? of a sleeper pick though I've, is that I've, too I've, long to take as a scene because it, it goes on for a while that whole like kind of from the tomato sauce like <laughs> yeah. dealing with the sauce and the, and the watch of the helicopter and right, driving so around the sauce is the the sauce is like the key part of the whole thing it's like i had to get the gravy going and the sausage and <laughs> yeah i mean that I feel like you can take that. It's maybe it's not. A, it's more of a sequence, the scene, but it's yeah. very much. It's it's like. I mean, it's absolutely connected throughout the whole thing. I wish I got Griffin on 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 this one because we, because he actually made Scorsese's mom's tomato sauce recently. Oh yeah, you were telling me she, about that. She does. She does. She. Yeah. Scorsese has this like documentary called Italian American, like that he just made about his parents, <laughs> but but uh, his mom just gives a full tomato sauce recipe, and I guess Griffin <laughs> recreated it. But um, well, his mom is is Tommy's yeah. mom in the movie, which I didn't know until this last watch. It made it so much better, and just and and ad libbed all those lines, <laughs> like she just ad libbed the whole thing, which is so great. Like, yeah. Like she, like they, they just told her to be sort of like a concerned, happy mother, like to see her son. She just like embraces them. They have dinner at whatever midnight it is. Or right. I think it's three in the morning. In the morning. <laughs> With this guy in their trunk. Yeah. See, that's it's funny. Like we should. I, I want to get back to the helicopter scene because that's yeah, yeah, awesome. Yeah. But that the scene you're we just started talking about with his mom is probably like one of my next picks that I would say because I you love can, that one as well. You can you, you can take it. You can take it. We'll see. I, <laughs> I won't I won't reveal my strategy, but uh, mm-hmm. I might I might have to take it on the next one. We'll we'll, we'll see. We'll see. We but um, um, but yeah, the helicopter scene. Oh my gosh. He also I've never seen whatever they did with the makeup. I've never seen someone look more fucked up than Henry <laughs> in that sequence when he goes to the hospital and he picks up his brother and the doctor's like here and then he, what did he give him he gives him like he's already like coked out he's probably had a couple drinks and I think he gave him like some sort of like kind of hardcore over-the-counter drug I forgot what it was but cracking up yeah <laughs> no yeah. it's it's so crazy one of my favorite one of my favorite parts about that scene is just how how it's just directed like like Scorsese's in the same manic state, you know, or something where it's mm-hmm. it's jumping around. Sometimes the soundtrack jumps, like there's this moment. Mm-hmm. So it starts off with Jump Into the Fire, which is one of one of my favorite Harry Nilsson songs. Like great, great needle drop there. And then it and then it plays a clip from it plays a clip clip from um from Muddy Waters um I'm a man. And then it goes back to jump into the fire, but but it like it plays it for like five seconds, and then it returns to that song later. It's almost like it's almost like he can't remember the sequence in which events happened that day because he was so like messed up. It, it it's it it's directed in this really jumpy way that I think is like super effective. Yeah, well, it's 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 interesting too what you're talking about with the music because I feel like the jumpiness of it also like juxtaposed earlier in the movie when, when the music is so much more uh, relaxing and kind of more like ballads and, this, and then the, and the movie is much more, it's like longer scenes and much more orderly and much more like flowing. And then 
you get to the point where the music is much more jumpy and the scenes are much more jumpy and it's kind of this like fully immersive experience of like the everything you're seeing everything you're hearing like all your senses are being jumbled at the same time um and it creates that that almost sense of panic that you can see that henry's feeling and i mean Obviously, he's paranoid about the helicopter, but turns out the helicopter probably was looking after him and all that stuff. Totally, so, exactly. Yeah, that's, and I mean, also the whole thing, everything with the food, and, and obviously food is such a huge theme through yeah. this movie. Uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, I love the food. No, it's 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 a good point. And like, I, I, um, I'm, I'm always super impressed by whenever a director can like direct a scene um, like, like the character that's under a substance whatever that substance is like i'm always impressed if when like a director can accurately capture what it feels like to be drunk you know what i mean it's mm -hmm. it's a hard thing to do like you, you you can do the thing where it's like oh it's all blurry yeah. and we're sort of like the camera's moving right. like that's not really what it's but the, right. i mean i haven't done coke but i i feel like this is what it feels like <laughs> i feel like it feels like that scene <laughs> Yeah, it, I, I don't want to incriminate myself, but it's it's not it's relatively it's relatively close. It's super, it's 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 pretty intense. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah, it's it's pretty. I mean, the whole. I mean, he is. But the thing is, he's on another level in that. And, yeah, and also, I mean, he's not only is it like the substances in his body, but also the stress that mm. he's feeling. I mean, he's got. And then, oh my god, the thing that kills me that it cracks me up every time is when. He has the baby, the babysitter, who's like his, who's like a key component, who makes the two, who basically fucks it for him in two ways, where he explicitly says, "Do not call from my home phone," and she calls from the home phone, and then she forgets her hat, her special hat, <laughs> and that's the thing that like gives them the, the cops the time to catch him, and it's just like, oh my oh. god, it's hilarious. Oh, that's horrible. So funny though. Um... Yeah, and then and and then and then it kind of ends with that moment where he's like, "I realized it was a cop because if it were a gangster, I would be like dead," you know. And that yeah, moment. yeah, and absolutely. Like, Damn, you know, he's almost lucky to be alive. Um, yeah, no, it's 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 just it's a it's a great great sequence, and I think I think pacing wise in the movie it works well because it's like because he starts off with that with the sort of title card with the date. And all of a sudden you're really focusing on this date and you sort of know, you know, something's going to happen at the end of this day or, or, mm -hmm. at, or, or at some point in this day, but not there, there hasn't really been a day up until that point that's been super consequential. And then all of a sudden you're like in this very specific day. Mm -hmm. I just think pacing wise in the movie, it works well, just super well directed. And yeah, I don't know. I love it. Yeah. It's a great, it's a great sequence. It's fun. I'm glad that you picked that one too, because I usually, when I think of this movie, that isn't like one of the top ones that comes to mind. Yeah, but yeah, but it's a that. very, but it's a very uh, engaging sequence for sure. What what would what would be your your next pick here? Yeah, the second pick I'd say is harder than the first one because that first one right. is very much the first. Uh, the first one's iconic. Is a special one for me. Um, I think. I'll go with the scene of uh, when they all go to prison together. Oh and yeah, in, and they're they're in the, sure. they're in the, they're sweet in the prison, and Polly's slicing the garlic with the the razor blade, 
and the and just the, the the food like that we all have their own food assignments and they have the whole thing worked out and they're, they're talking about like he's like we only went to prison if we wanted to go to prison and to get away from our wives like it's just so outrageous but so hilarious and like it's kind of it's it's one of those things where like it's so romantic it makes such a romantic like idea of what mafia life is and part yeah. of you feels like it, it's like this can't be true but part of you's like could it be though <laughs> like, i hope so but I, it's I just so, so oh it's just so it's so awesome and uh so much fun just such a fun scene yeah yeah that that might be where i fell in love with paulie really just how yeah. his hair and dedication he puts into just so right. thinly slicing <laughs> right. bits of garlic with the razor right. blade um what what a kind of endearing moment for such a sweet guy i'm just like mm -hmm. yeah well what what a great dude yeah what a great guy it's funny too because i remember after i saw that movie was like i saw it when i was like i think i was like 13 years old and that was right around when like i started getting into cooking a little bit as well and yeah. after that i like didn't know that like cutting garlic thin was like a good thing so after that i saw that movie i always have been way more <laughs> conscious about cutting garlic much thinner than i usually would wow, um, so this movie really changed your life yeah <laughs> well it definitely made my pasta sauces much tastier that's for sure. <laughs> Were you just throwing cloves in? <laughs> it was more of a hack. It was more of a yeah, like, yeah, like yeah. chunks of garlic. Not really. The, the, <laughs> I know. I I never. I don't think I've ever gotten it to the point where it liquefied in the pan. But it's something to strive towards. It's definitely something to strive. Yeah, I I I haven't either. That 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 it's it seems seems difficult. But I mean, I don't know. I I've never tried it with a razor blade. To be fair, neither have I. Neither have I. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, yeah. Always time. Oh, yeah. There's always time to learn. I feel. I feel like Scorsese needs to make like a real, like eat, pray, love foodie adventure. Because he has all these like foodie. Right. He, all, he has all these foodie things like sprinkled throughout his movies. They just like oh. his characters care about food, but but he he needs to really dive into this fully in a movie. Oh, absolutely. But, I, I, <laughs> what's the? Didn't he do? What's the? I think he did a music. Uh, movie that I haven't seen in the last waltz. Oh yeah. He should do that, but for cooking. Yes, and it totally. would be awesome. This movie in a way is like half a cooking movie and half a gangster movie. <laughs> it totally is. Maybe when he's like super old and senile, he can just like make videos in his own kitchen, just like directed by Martin Scorsese. Just yeah, yeah. <laughs> his cooking shows. Well, if anyone, one thing's for sure, if any, if you ever get an argument about if you are more of a Tarantino or a Scorsese person, you can say that in Scorsese movies, he has food and Tarantino has feet. So you can kind of pick between the two. And I think true. I would take food. <laughs> I would take food over feet. So that would That's be a, a good, tough point to argue again. That's a good point. Scorsese has a food fetish for sure. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh God. So it's my pick. Let me think here. Um... Okay, I yeah, I'm gonna you're you're gonna hate me for this because you're gonna you'd take it next. Otherwise, I'm gonna take the mm -hmm. I'm gonna take the walking into a club the club scene. Oh well, hey, that's a great one. That's yeah, yeah. There's, there's, there's plenty to choose from. I no no, there's yeah, there's plenty left for sure. But that that one, that one, um, just it it cap it, it just really it captures the feeling of being swept off your feet you know i think so mm -hmm. well like you're really that one you're really in karen's shoes 
Right. And she's just like, oh my gosh, this guy's amazing. He knows everyone. There's a table for him right out front. And you just, you you almost like fall in love with the character too there. It's, mm-hmm. it's such a, it's such a sort of, it's such a just, just, well, I mean, I think, I, I, I think now, especially there's a sort of thing where every director wants to show off and do sort of like a long take just to show, mm-hmm. them, like, show how right. cool they are. But, right. but it, it's really well placed here. Let's put it that way. Like, like the scene, the scene really benefits from having that long take. Oh, I fully agree. I mean, it's, it, it makes it feel like an, a whole, the whole experience of everything that Karen is feeling like yeah. being, being overwhelmed by all the people she's meeting at the same time being overwhelmed by like how amazing she thinks that Henry is. Um, I mean, everything, even down to the end where she's, I, she says, you know, she's like well, thinking like, what does this guy do? He's 20. I think she's, he's 21 at the time. And she goes, what do you do? I'm in construction. <laughs> I love that. I love that sure line. guy. You're in construction. Okay. <laughs> but the whole thing is just such a awesome, uh, such an awesome experience. I mean, it's, I mean, also the way that they shoot it, it's like Henry and Karen aren't in the shot every single time also. So you get a chance to see the room to get a feeling of, uh, what it was like. I mean, also just from like the perspective of being like a young person in 2021, like the difference in like what nightlife looks like um, in terms of like, oh my God, you could go to a place and there's a lot of live music and comedy and there's all these people all dressed up and like, it just, uh, yeah, such a, such an awesome moment to be like taken back to. It almost feels like you're putting a time machine and like you're walking in there with them. Yeah, totally. Totally. I mean, I mean, and, and I think, and I think it, it both, it both just shows, shows the sort of power and prestige that he's accumulated over time, but then also just kind of like, it's, it's super immersive. Like you're saying he, he's just, he's just a, like, I think, I think Ray Liotta like plays it perfectly where he's such, he's such an asshole, but he's so kind of like, you're still you're you're still with him. Like he never he never really loses the audience. Like you still right. you still kind of you still kind of like him at every moment, even when he's coked out, even when he's cheating right. on his wife. Right. He's a lo- he's a lovable piece of shit. He's, he's a lovable he's kinda, piece of shit. Totally. Yeah. You can you can see, and it's interesting. I feel like having Karen narrate halfway through makes like I feel like that's right around the time where like we need a little reinforcement to stay with Henry, and you get her point of mm. view where it's like all the Good things point. that she's going through and why she's still loves him or why she's still attracted to him and it, and it, and it makes sense because in a way the way things you're thinking she's thinking about him are some of the same things that you're thinking about him in terms of like why do i still why do i still like this guy why am i still invested in what's happening to this guy when he's doing all these terrible things yeah yeah i know that it it kind of reminds me of how um like like this is this is kind of an obscure connection but i'll connect it back um so Humphrey Bogart in Casablanca, like basically he was like, he was like, how am I supposed to act opposite Ingrid Bergman is like one of the most beautiful actresses in the world and whatever. But he, he, real, he realized that if he, if he um, was always leaning back, it would make it so she'd have to lean into him, mm. which would, which would make, make the audience see that she was really attracted to him so that, so that he would seem sort of magnetic because she's always leaning yeah. into him. It's all, yeah. it's almost the same thing here where, where like Kaylee Otta seems so cool because he's always just so laid back and, right. and everyone sort of 
sort of wants wants their moment with them. It's it, it's not as if he's ever like the boss, but it's like he's he's definitely like he's definitely like a figure that everyone kind of cares about in some way. Right, and it's interesting too having Tommy directly next to him because Tommy is kind of the opposite, where Henry yeah. kind of just gets praise and is comfortable in his own skin and kind of lays back and lets it come to him. And like you could pro- you could probably insult him and he'd either he'd laugh it off and probably beat the crap out of you like a week later. Yeah. But like Tommy is so insecure and he's so sensitive and it comes out in like any little thing and he will just snap. I mean, from obviously the, the murder, which ultimately leads to his death and him killing, shooting the kid in the foot and killing the kid, spider, I think his name is in the bar. Um, yeah just everything about him and it's so it's it's really interesting having the two of them next to each other because it kind of like shows the difference between like what's what is uh attractive about one person in that he can kind of like lay back and let things come to him versus someone else who is so consumed with what other people are thinking about him and how, how other people are speaking about him totally totally i think that's a good point i, I mean tommy's whole character kind of reminds me of like that Michael Jordan meme where he's like, and I took it personally. <laughs> so yeah. it's like, I saw this one today. I saw this one today because like the Lakers are playing the Suns right now. Right. It's like, it's like Jay Crowder exists. And then it's like LeBron and I took it personally. <laughs> he just destroyed Jay Crowder last night. Yeah. But, yeah. But, um, I but guess yeah. it's safe to say that that Tommy is the uh, Michael Jordan of knifing people with with his mo- with his mother's knife set. Definitely, <laughs> I definitely think that's safe to say. Um, yeah, no, def- like definitely a juxtaposition juxtaposition of characters, and and Tommy almost doesn't need to be as insecure as he is, and it's in the moment. It, it's it's the moment when he really lets his guard down that he's killed. He thinks like, okay, I'm made. Like, this is it. I don't really need to be doing all this shit anymore. And then, and then, and then that's the moment when he's shot down in that empty room. That, that's such a great scene too. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's so funny. Cause we were watching, I was watching it last night and um, obviously I've seen the movie. I know what happens. Yeah. Emily's reaction was priceless because when she, we find out, it's like, oh, he's going to be, he's going to be made. She goes, why would they make him? And I was like, it's <laughs> a good point. <laughs> like, just wait, because it's, it's, it's so true. We're like, they, they, like this guy has caused so many problems. He's killed someone. He's killed a made man, but he also is such a loose cannon. He's dangerous. Like he's just, he's yeah. a variable you can't, can't control for. Uh, and it's just, he had to go. Um, and so yeah. it's, it, it is interesting. Um, but the first time I saw it, I, I was, I was fully bought in. I thought they were going to make him and everything. Same. No, yeah, okay, okay, like, like, similarly, like, Paige always calls these twists every yeah. time. It drives yeah. me insane because I can never see them. Maybe, maybe I choose not, maybe, maybe honestly, I just choose to just let the story do its thing. But Paige, mm-hmm. but Paige, Paige, like, the whole time was like, nah, this Snape guy, like, <laughs> just, just watched the Harry Potter movies. She'd never seen them. She's like, no, 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 Snape's, Snape's gonna be good. Don't worry. I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, I don't know, Paige. He seems like a pretty scary guy. And she's like, yeah, nah. he, he's looking out for Harry. And like, even even when he like kills Dumbledore, Paige was like, I think he had to do that to prove to, to him. That's to insane. To him. I'm just like, how the fuck are you doing this shit? Well, like, I'll, tip my, I'll tip my cap to Paige. <laughs> I know, I know. It was the same thing with the Tommy thing where she was just like, she was just like, um, she was just like, yeah, he's he's dead. This guy's dead. Like, 
like, yeah, I mean, in retrospect, when you look at it, you're like, there's no way this guy can live. I mean, based off yeah. of all this, this shit he does. But I mean, at the same time, like, I don't know. And then when I'm fully invested in a movie and I'm like enthralled, I just suspend my disbelief. And, like, I think so too. Fully buy it. Yeah. 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 I think I do the same thing. Mm-hmm. What's, what's, uh, what's, what's your next scene? I guess we'll do one more each. Yeah. I think the next one, I would have to go with uh, when they show up at Tommy's mom's house at three in the morning yeah, with, yeah, with yeah. the body and they're covered in blood and she doesn't, she, and she, the first thing she does is offer to make them food. <laughs> and she's, she's breaking his balls about like, you gotta find a nice woman, Tommy. You gotta find a nice man. You gotta settle down. Like the, all of that, it's just, uh, it's I so feel like cute. that establishes the, the so much the familial aspect of, um, of the mafia. And, but not only the mafia, but the things that uh, surrounding it, the family, the, the mothers. I mean, it also brings up the, the interest of like, or the topic of like, what are all the mothers doing with these kids and like the mothers and the wives that are kind of thrown to the side, but like still love their children so much. And like, I don't know, it's a, it's a fascinating, it's just a fascinating scene. It's hilarious and it's sweet. It's just all these things at the same time. No. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it, it, it's a fascinating scene that contains like, I think, I think the most underrated line in this movie, which is the one where like Joe Pesci looks at the painting and goes, I love it. One dog's pointing one way, the other dog's pointing the other way. It's great. (laughs) <laughs> I know it reminded of me whenever I look at art. It's like, oh yeah, it's, there's a cube and there's another cube. There's a dog. There's another dog. <laughs> it's such a great line. Yeah, that's a, um, that a good call. Yeah. But, also, I mean, when he, it's yeah. so funny when he, when he asks to take the uh, the knife. Oh, Mom, I gotta borrow this for a little bit. And you're like, you know that he's gonna take that knife to to kill someone. And she's like, yeah. oh yeah, honey. Like, Go ahead. <laughs> Go ahead. No, I think I, I I think it's a super interesting scene because it's one of the first times you see like. Like I, I, it was probably the first time you see like De Niro and Pesci. I should probably say Tommy and what Tommy and what's it? I, I can't Henry. Do, he, Tommy, no, no, Henry, no. and Jim, Jimmy. Tommy and Jimmy. Thank you. Yeah, it's, it's the first. It's the first time you see Tommy and Jimmy um, really like interacting with family, with like with like each other's families and stuff, which makes sense because they all they all kind of hang out amongst their own people, but. I I real I realized this time how contrasted that is to when the toupee guy dies and his wife comes over to Henry's place and is like I don't know what to do like like I, I don't know where he is and Henry's like I I can't help you but I want to help you and Tommy's like you know, Jimmy <laughs> is like is like wait well don't don't worry about her like like just just don't just don't talk to her like it's fine and, and but but it i think i think that later scene wouldn't have the same impact if you didn't have the scene with um with the mom right with with like the dinner mm-hmm. at 3 a.m where you do get to know that they have these intimate relationships with each other's wives and stuff yeah that's a good point i didn't even think about that but i think that establishing that relationship early makes it feel much stronger when they basically just tell her to like fuck off when her she's her she her husband's gone and she probably knows he's dead and she doesn't know what's going on and uh it kind of is like gut-wrenching feeling um yeah no i think that that that's a good point so i so for my my last one i'm not going to go with this probably isn't the sixth best scene in the godfather but it's just i just more want to shout it out um 
It's the wig commercial. <laughs> the wig commercial is pretty iconic. <laughs> so, so apparently, apparently Scorsese was inspired by there was like a local commercial that kept playing for like lumber or like something something ridiculous like one of those like dumb infomercials and and it was it, it was the first it was the first scene to be shot but he hired the same crew that did this other like dumb new york like tv ad <laughs> to like yeah. do the wig ad and it's just it just strikes the it's it's just great that you have a full-on uh like infomercial in this great movie yeah yeah no, it's I mean that that it's so funny, and I forget what he said, what the like slogan is, but it's so funny too because I feel like it's one of those things where every single person has seen one of those cheap local commercials yeah. like that, yeah, totally. and so like not only is it funny in the sense of like what you're actually seeing, but it's funny because it reminds you of all of the other like terrible commercials you've seen. Yeah, um, and 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 it's right before, and that happens right before. Obviously, they go to get his money, and his wig's coming off when they're asking for the money, and it's just like the whole it it kind of establishes that character and it's uh yeah it's a great 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 scene totally totally no it's so good um any other scenes you want to just shout off before we move off scenes i mean we can work our way back into the conversation as well oh man uh off the top of my head well there's we kind of we already talked about when karen brings the food into prison that's hilarious yeah Yeah, that's um I think it's funny when uh, right after they get married, when Karen's mom is like, "Where is he? What is he doing? A married, a married man cannot stay out like this." What the? And she's like, and she's just like, "Mom, leave me alone!" Like, and it's like it's such an outrageous premise where you're like, "This guy," and you know he's out like drinking and playing poker, and then he gets, then <laughs> he gets there at three in the morning, and like not opens the door, and she's just like, "Where have you been?" And he just starts laughing at her face and walks away, and it's just like that whole dynamic of like the two of them living with the parents um like when i first realized like oh this is what they're gonna do that cracked me up it's so funny and i think it's almost like another kind of fantasy that scorsese puts in the movie where like every time you get berated by a parent you wish you could just laugh and walk away right you wish you had the kind of balls where you just didn't care enough right. like to like be like oh i'm so sorry like it won't happen again and right. just like laughs and leaves <laughs> right so, it's so I great know. i know it, yeah it's it's so it's it's super funny the whole yeah. the sequence i think that the, the uh the entire moment when him and Karen first go to Coco Cabana to like the first moments after they get married, not like, I guess it's probably like a 30 minute section of the movie is, um, is really fun. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's super fun. Um, so, so the cool trick awards, so this, this comes from something that like Paige would always say to me whenever she saw like someone doing an insane stunt or just anything, anything like ridiculously awesome. She'd just be like, that was a cool trick. I'm like, yeah. So it can be a crazy stunt. It can be like something, something a character pulls off. It can be, um, it, it, it can be like a, like a party trick, but it can just, it's just any, any trick that a character pulls. I, I would, I would probably put like um, smuggling that much stuff into prison up pretty <laughs> high. Um, definitely a lot of smuggling into prison with that massive coat and everything else. Um, mm-hmm. I'm trying to think. This one's kind of this movie is kind of a tough movie for this one because it's 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 not really a lot of everyone is so eats so much, you know, cold cuts and 
<laughs> and pasta. There's not, there's not a lot of athletic tricks it's going true. on. <laughs> it's true. Though, okay. Also, um, young Henry Hill, like blowing up like 10 cars. That was pretty impressive. That's a good one. That's a good one. That's a pretty cool trick. Um, anything else I would say, I would say, this is kind of, this one's kind of dark, but I would say when when Karen pulls the gun on Henry, he is a pretty cool cucumber and handles that. That's really, true. He handles That's that. That's true. Really, he handles that well. Yeah. He handles that well. It's like okay, okay, yeah. I will all, honestly. The ultimate one is him still in the senior scene, the helicopter chase, him pulling off the dinner amidst all of that. I would say that's probably the most <laughs> no, impressive honestly. trick. That's probably the most impressive <laughs> trick of the whole of the whole movie. While like on coke and being chased by a by the police. Oh yeah, he's being chased by the police. He's picking up his brother, who we haven't heard from and since the very beginning of the movie. Yeah. Who also is in a wheelchair, so he has to do that. He's organizing an or- a shipment in from Pittsburgh with a with a babysitter who some for some reason relies on a hat, and he manages to make not only like a, a great like pasta feast but he makes a like a, an appetizer i think he made a dessert he does like he makes a whole thanksgiving feast while doing all of these other things it's thoroughly impressive yeah and meanwhile like if someone like talks to me while i'm like making sauce like it's just going to be burnt like I, I, oh I yeah if i'm like if i'm like really <laughs> intently like making a making a recipe that like I got like online. I like check the recipe every like 50, 20 seconds to make sure that I didn't fuck up. He's like he's like he's like negotiating an arms deal. It's yeah. It's, yeah. It's... <laughs> I forgot about that aspect of it too. He just shows up to Jimmy's house and is like, "Who ordered these guns?" And he just doesn't fuck off. And he's like, "I don't have time to be upset." Like I just yeah. go like yeah. I am, I am, I'm totally good with that as a cool, that, that is the cool trick of the movie. Just being able to pull off a dinner in the midst of all that. That's a, that's a, that's a, that's a solid, solid one. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what do you think happened to Ray Liotta's career? Cause like, <laughs> I mean, is it just me question. or is he like really fucking good in this? He's like, awesome. he is fantastic. He's awesome in this movie. And it's like, why did he not, I mean, cause right Scorsese has De Niro kind of as an er- in, in in his early career and then he kind of moves on to the Leonardo DiCaprio days like why don't you have right. a solid Ray Liotta period in between there like why why did Scorsese move on from him why didn't he do much in the 90s I just don't really get what happened to him honestly I don't know there's I mean the thing is that happens so much in Hollywood where there's someone who has this kind of iconic breakup performance and then like you never hear from them again um he had he, he did have a really good animated cameo in the B movie. That was kind of a career revival for him. Um, <laughs> Tell me about the but, B movie. Is that our next movie, Declan? Oh, I don't I don't think I can seriously talk about that. Movie. <laughs> it'll just be it'll just be me impersonating Ken the whole time, the like boyfriend <laughs> who plays sense. Um, but no, that's that's I honestly the only reason I said this because I think that's like the only other movie I can think of that has like a Ray Liotta in it, even though he's just an animated person. He was um, genuinely good in Marriage Story. I really, I really liked him in Marriage Story. Oh, I forgot that he's in that. He, he was, was a good. He man. was the he was the lawyer in that. Right, he was, he really was the lawyer. He if does ever, now that. Yeah, he's, he, he's got some some banging chantix commercials now. Um, <laughs> I haven't seen his chantix <laughs> commercials. I always liked his um. I always liked his 
what are they like whiskey commercials? He was ordering something at a bar. You remember it was like he'd like sit back at a bar. That, I think it was like Jameson or something. And they'd be like, hey, yeah. can I have a glass of Jameson? And he'd like laugh at someone else <laughs> across the bar and go, hey. Oh my God. The, the Chantix commercials crack me up though because I haven't seen him really. I mean, when I think of him, I think of this movie and his like, he's gotten so much like plastic surgery and like he's a weird day, he just looks now. so different. And uh, yeah, those commercials crack me up. But I mean, this is, I mean, I don't know. It's its too bad that he, he didn't really get to do a whole lot of other great performances, but I mean, he'll always have, uh, he'll always be known as Henry Hill from Goodfellas, which is not the oh, worst yeah. thing to be, not the worst thing to be remembered for. No, not at all. Not at all. I mean, it's just, it's such a high, high. It's odd that, I mean, it's because you have other, you have other actors that have sort of a brief window where they're super popular, right? Right. There's like, you know, like you could almost talk about like Jennifer Lawrence's kind of like run in the early 2010s or just, right. there's, there's just epic runs that, that get cut off. But the McConaissance. The McConaissance, epic. Yeah. Totally. No, you, you, you can find, you can find like little like periods where an actor's on top, but you look at like the movies he did around this movie and there isn't much, which is weird. Right. You get what he's really good in is something wild. If you end up watching that with like Jeff Daniels and Melanie Griffith, it's from the, I haven't seen that. I haven't seen that. Really good in that one. I should look at, I was just, I, I feel like it's a good testament. Just like, just, just how hard it is to stay on top like that, because even like you mentioned, um, Jennifer Lawrence and I mentioned, you know, Matthew McConaughey, like, yeah, they had incredible runs for, you know, five to eight years. But even that, like, is probably pretty much over or like ending in a sense. And it's just like, there's so many factors that are out of your control. I mean, as an actor, you obviously can, can to a certain extent, control how good your performance is. But like how good the movie is, it depends on the writing. It depends on directing. It also depends on how much money the studios get. Um, it also like depends on when it's released. I mean, you can make a great movie that just comes out at the wrong time. Um, I mean, you see that now with a lot. That's one of the good things about all the streaming services. Is a lot of like movies that were great movies that just weren't for that didn't come out for the, at the right time for the right audience. Like there's just so many things that have to go well to have a great movie. And especially for an actor, like you have to be cast in it at the right time. It's just, I feel like it's just a testament to how difficult it is to stay successful and relevant in, you know, in Hollywood. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a great point. And like, I think, I think actors are often blamed for the quality of their movies, like Mm -hmm. wrongfully, because I mean, you can, you can deliver a good performance and if it's just not edited well, then it has nothing to do with like how well, how well you did on the movie. Mm -hmm. I mean, and I think, and I think, uh, I, I mean, Hollywood just is not very forgiving in that way unless you really orchestrate your big reconnaissance, like comeback tour, like whatever. But I mean, right. unless you unless you really manage to hit that right, like your your time comes to an end when you just mm-hmm. stop picking good movies. Usually, it's yeah, not, it I has mean, nothing to do with you. Right. It's interesting. I kind of I feel like it's we treat actors very similar to we treat athletes, professional athletes. Or like you oftentimes forget that like they are just like regular people too. Um, and yeah. like, it's easy to like not consider a lot of the things that go like on in, the, in people's lives. And um, like, I mean, like I, I would like parallel it to like, you did you mention like people, actors that can have a great performance but not being like a great movie. Like there's so many athletes, like I think of like Russell Westbrook who like will always get like, uh, be will always get said, oh, he's not like, a, 
a winner. He's not this, he's not that, but he, yeah. every year he's averaging 25 points and 10 rebounds and he's most triple doubles ever. And so like, he, yeah, it's like, it's, it's almost like, it's like, what do you want him to do? Like, he's been a, he's great. He might not like win a championship every year, but he's a great performer. And like, I think that there's a lot of actors that fall into that like similar uh, category where they can put together great performances, but they just didn't get into their perfect situation at the right time. Um, and so from that point of view, I think it's very easy to kind of uh, be ju judgmental or be harsh towards, towards those people. I mean, professional actors, professional athletes do things that like the most people, including me and like, will never be able to do or even supposed to be able to accomplish. So it's like, yeah. you, I, I, it's, it's good. I think it's always good to be critical, but also to have an appreciation of, um, of what they can pull off. Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. For sure. I, I mean, like, and, and like, and like, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if you want me to like cut this or not. I can, but like your, your, your parents are both actors. Like, have they, have they like, have they like been in projects where they're, they're like, the script looks awesome. And they're like, Oh, this is going to be great. And, and then it's like, and then it just doesn't come together in the end. Like, I, I, I don't know how much you've talked to them about this. Yeah. I mean, it's really interesting. There's a lot of situations where like, I mean, it's funny, um, like my mom, she was always in stage um, and like, she yeah. just never, like she didn't make the bet the right, like she kind of um, in a sense compromised her, you know, success and professional career to like have kids and like be a mom, which like uh, is like a huge sacrifice she made. And so like, that's, that's like an example of someone like making a decision in their life, like could have gone a different way. And then like my dad, he talks about times where like, he had to make decisions about like, okay, do I want to do this? This is a better, like maybe, you know, he had to make more money to like whatever was going on in our lives. Like he had to maybe take not as much as of good of a script for a, a, or like a, you know, a job that paid more, whereas yeah. he could have taken a better, more rewarding script that like wouldn't have been the same. And then like, maybe he'd made the wrong decision because if he had taken that movie, it would have like vaulted his career. Like, there's so many things that have to happen out, that are outside of your control um, that, I mean, I feel like that's why you just kind of have to take it one at a time and just like um, appreciate like what people do, like when they do it, as opposed to like having like, you know, retrospective uh, opinions about like, oh, I could have done it this way or they should have done that then. Um, ultimately like like everything in life we just have to take it one one day at a time and, and hope for the best but uh but yeah i mean i think that acting is probably one of the more difficult things to like control in terms of yeah, a career because totally. there's just so many things outside of your control no that's a really good point i mean that makes me think about sort of how how like as as audience members were always like i wish like you know, Scarlett Johansson would only do indie projects instead of doing all these Marvel movies. But like, I don't know, she's got, she's got like, she's got a family. Like she's got, she's got people that, you know, she's, she's got to take care of herself. And right. Like, yeah. You do, you do. I mean, as, as an audience member, you're always like, oh, I wish someone would just take, I wish this person would just take a pay cut and only work in these like tiny indie projects. Right. right. I mean, you do, you have to, you have to navigate that. And it's a, mm -hmm. it's a, it's, it's a career where, I mean, I mean, it's entirely project based unless right. you unless you land some crazy sitcom that that brings you back every year. It's like you're yeah, you're you're choosing your next project every right. time. It's fascinating. Yeah. And another thing, too, is it's it's like I, I think of like I've heard stories of certain actors like it's not always sometimes people just like things that we don't fully like we don't understand. Like for like the thing I the first thing I think of is like Liam Neeson, yeah. like 
Liam Neeson, I think, is an amazing actor. I mean, yeah. from Schindler's List to, I mean, there's just a number of outstanding performances. But he also has been in whatever, like 15 Takens and all, <laughs> yeah, exactly. of the, all of these movies that are, you know, can be fun, but aren't really, you know, I would, in my opinion, aren't great movies. And you kind of part of these, like, what is Liam Neeson doing in these movies? Like he doesn't need he doesn't need the money like all these different things and yeah. he, and it's we have this kind of like I feel like for for us sometimes it's just like oh just about the money but I remember I heard him talking about it one day and like for him he's like I love doing these movies because it makes me feel like I like he feels good doing Taken movies like he likes doing action movies he likes doing stunts he like all these different things like it makes him feel good and he likes working and he, and like all these different things that are outside of just like money and fame. And like, it's more for him, like just personal choice, the things he prefers. Um, and so, you know, it just goes back to like how everyone has their, everyone's a little bit different and everyone likes different things. And uh, you know, it's hard to, it's hard to know. And, and, you know, we try to, we try to get to know as much as we can about, you know, famous people, but ultimately they, you know, they, they deserve as much privacy as anyone else. So, uh it's just hard to know sometimes yeah yeah no i totally agree with that um going back to goodfellas <laughs> <laughs> yeah that was a hard a hard sidebar no that was a, that was a great tangent though that was really interesting mm-hmm. um just a couple a couple trivia things i wanted to throw in the end here um um after the premiere henry hill the, the, this is from imdb trivia after the premiere henry hill went around and revealed his true identity in response the government kicked him out of witness protection program <laughs> He was like, fuck it at this point. He was just like, he's just like, hey, you know, that's about me. Like, <laughs> you totally, totally picture him doing that. I could totally see him doing that. Yeah. Based yeah. off the movie. Yeah. Absolutely. I also love that um, according to the person who like wrote the book and was like on, on set, there were mobsters that were hired as extras in some of the scenes, but the mobsters gave, um, gave Warner Brothers fake social security numbers. And so no one knows like how they got their paycheck. <laughs> <laughs> That's really funny. They had like aliases under different social security numbers or something. Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. Well, I mean, Henry Hill says in the end, like he, he had someone else's social security number and never paid taxes or anything. So I, I guess, I guess that's how they all operated. Nice. Um, <laughs> Henry Hill said um, Joe Pesci's um, portrayal of Tommy was 90 to 99% was 90 to 99 percent accurate with the notable exception that tommy was massively built <laughs> really that yeah. makes him even scarier which makes him super scary but it's crazy to think that there was a guy actually like that in the in just running around <laughs> oh my gosh yeah that's terrifying it's, crazy. it's so funny there's moments in the movie where like they interact with like just like normal pedestrians yeah and like you see them like and I was just thinking of like put, putting myself in the shoes. Like, I'm not, like, can you imagine if you were one of the guys at the bar when like Tommy breaks the glass over his head and he's like laughing at him and kicking Jesus. at him? And I'd be like, oh my God, like that would just be shocking. My, my great grandfather was actually, was like a golf caddy in Chicago in the 20s. And so he used to, used to walk some of these mobsters around but he knew whenever they started talking shop to just like get a little give them some distance because he didn't want to overhear anything that's very smart um that they said uh but yeah yeah no he he would he 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 would he would see these people around it's kind of crazy 
it's a little it's a little scary if you're just like one of the one of the if, if you're just a kid trying to make your living yeah absolutely um let me I'll, I'll i'll pull up one more here so robert de niro wanted to use real money for the scene where jimmy hands out money because he, he didn't like the way the fake money felt and so the prop master gave de niro five thousand of his own money and then after each take no one was allowed to leave until all the money was <laughs> that's actually really funny the prop master didn't, didn't like didn't want to lose his five thousand dollars um yeah no this this movie this movie has just a ton of trivia on i there's just i mean there's just a ton of just great stories about the making mm-hmm. of it and all that but uh did they i'm sure they won some academy awards um oh yeah let me pull that up um oh yeah one one oscar so it won a single oscar joe pesci won so that was the only oscar it won was Pesci's. which one? Oh, it's best joe, pesci. joe pesci for best supporting it was that nominated for best picture best supporting actress for lorraine brocco best director best writing and best film editing for thelma shoemaker but the only one it won was pesci I'm surprised, you know, it, it's crazy that, um, I mean, I guess, I guess De Niro's not too showy. So I, I, I'm not surprised right. that he wasn't, uh, he wasn't. Um, who, who was nominated for best picture that year? Like, who won and who was nominated? This is what, this was the Dances with Wolves Oscar year. Oof, um, that's not, that doesn't age well. Yeah, Dances with Wolves over Goodfellas doesn't that's age That's a tough, well. that's a tough have one. You seen, have you seen that movie? I have seen Dances. I, I mean, I, I, mean I, I know there's a lot of... <laughs> There's a lot of hate for that movie, but I I like it. I, I like I, it. I, I would agree. I would agree. I but, like it. Let's just look but at. But it's not. It's not as good as Goodfellas, in my my opinion. Yeah, I mean, okay, okay. So when you look at when you look at Best Picture, it clearly should be Goodfellas because it's. You've also got The Awakenings, which I haven't seen, but that's another. That's a good rock. movie. Uh, yeah, do you like that one? Wait, wait. Is it Awakenings or The Awakenings? Is it the Awakenings? One with, it's just Awakenings. Yeah. The one with. Um, uh, De Niro's in it, right? De Niro and um, uh, Robin Williams. Robin Williams, yeah, it's it's a really good movie. And then and then Ghost was nominated, which I didn't even think like was that prestige. I thought that was more of kind of like a poppy movie, but I guess the Academy Awards used to nominate these kinds of things. But I mean, it's it's one of those years where I mean, Goodfellas clearly should have been the winner here. Right. Right. And then, and then Kevin Costner, best director over Scorsese, which is oh, even, man. even worse. He directed Dance with Wolves. I didn't even know that. Yeah. Oh, man. That's kind of brutal. That's um, a tough, 20, 30 years later, looking back, that is not age well. That's a tough one. It's <laughs> a tough one to justify. Yeah, um, yeah. Anyways, any, I'm, I've, been, I've been keeping you a long time. Any, any sort of wrap-up thoughts on the movie? um man i would just say that it's i would say one of the most uh i would say it's a very american very american movie i feel like it's something i feel like it's like one of this it's a very it tells the story of an american crime uh like family and 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 group that is uh pretty pretty unique and uh has a lot of different nuanced things i think we kind of touched on earlier about like the aspect of like family and coming from a different place and uh having to find a way to like establish yourself in a, in a new country and how that led to you know the the, the formation of um, protection and stuff like that yeah um and i yeah i feel like it has this, i just feel like it, it it melds this kind of like old guard of like 50s with the like 
you know, 80, when you get, they finally get to the eighties and the drugs and the mix of like the drugs versus the protection and the, the rock and roll with the like classic music and like all of it together. It's just a, just a really fun, uh, fun ride of a movie. Totally. Totally. It works really well. Um, yeah. I mean, it's just, it's, it, it's, it's simply, it, it, it's just, it's one of those movies where you go in knowing it has this reputation and it just exceeds it. I, like mm -hmm. every time it's hard to, it's, it's hard to fault this movie for much. It, it just, it just works. It just works insanely well. And it's, and it's exactly sort of what, what Scorsese wanted to put on screen and, and embodies just a lot of what, what makes him so great from the sort of morality plays to the, the ways sort of, able to romanticize like setting and place and these interesting sort of three-dimensional characters it 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 really embodies like what makes a lot of his work great and uh yeah it's just it's just masterfully done um i'm yeah i'm so happy we got to talk about it yeah <laughs> me too that was fun it was so daunting it's such a daunting one to do but we mm -hmm. i think i think we we at least covered it I, I i don't know i don't know yet that we did total justice but we at least talked about it <laughs> we did certainly talk about it <laughs> um so i usually have guests wrapped up by saying a quote that they love in character so it can from be the movie it can be from this movie this movie has a lot of great quotes so you, you can do it from this movie it can be from another movie though if you'd like it's up oh to you. man oh that's tough um obviously there's obviously there's the uh the clown one that's a good one you can do the cloud one. Do I do? Should I go for it? That's okay. <laughs> you can go for it. Yeah. Should go for it. Go for uh, part of me, well, I don't remember it perfectly. I kind of want to pull it up. So I yeah, can, go for it. Go for it. Pull I'm gonna it pull up, up the uh, the quote. Okay. <laughs> All right. I gotta absolute <laughs> silence. Absolute silence. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um. What do you mean I'm funny? What do you mean? You mean the way I talk? What? Funny how? What's funny about it? Oh, oh, Anthony, he's a big boy. He knows what he said. And what did you say? Funny how? What? You mean, let me understand this because, you know, maybe it's me. I'm a little fucked up maybe, but I'm funny how? I mean, funny like, like I'm a clown. I amuse you. I make you laugh. I'm here to fucking amuse you. What do you mean funny? Funny how? How am I funny? All right, I'll, I'll, I'll stop. <laughs> That was beautiful. That was beautiful. All right, this was really fun, Declan. Thanks for coming yeah. on. All right, thanks. Yeah, thanks, Ethan. This was a good time. Right. I'm glad we were able to do this. All right, appreciate it, dude. Thank you for listening to another episode of Cineflag, and I will see you next week.